Most of the time, we review books that we really like here on The Book Boys. Other times, we review books that stink. And when a book really stinks, we get fussy. So this is a warning that sometimes we'll swear on this podcast, or sometimes the material that we're reviewing will be adult in nature. So keep that in mind as you listen to this week's episode. I know, we got airplanes there, outside. Oh, we, an airplane, okay. Water means, because a kid just flushed a toilet. Yeah. And so now there's water flowing through the entire basement, through mm. all various amounts of pipes. Like a no, circulatory system. Yeah, I told you it would stop. Hey, it did. Ben, I don't know why I ever doubt you. Yeah. You're the only person that speaks reasonably to me. What's been going on with you over the last two weeks? Got any big news? New job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's official. Did you, uh, I don't know, have any conflicts with your current employer before you move on to the new one? Yep, I was about ready to storm out last week, but I didn't, so... Why'd you go and do that? What happened? Was it your fault? Well, I asked for an afternoon off to have the internet guy come over and fix my internet, and Mm -hmm. boss said, uh, I'm not sure if she could approve that, because I have too much stuff to do before I leave. Too many things to hand off. Mm -hmm. I was a little disappointed by that interaction. She said we'd revisit it the next day. Mm -hmm. Next day she said, yeah, I don't don't know if we can uh, approve this. And I told her, like, I don't really care if you prove it. One way or another, I'm not going to be <laughs> here. I'm going to be at home Friday afternoon for the internet. So mm-hmm. that can either be time off or I can just be done. You actually said this. Yeah. I could just be done. Yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me this earlier. I thought I did, didn't I? Uh, I, said, I, didn't, I thought you sort of said I said like I didn't really care how this works out, but I'm not going to be here Friday afternoon. So yeah, you, you said can, that part. But the or we can just be done. Now that's. Yeah. Please tell me you actually said that. Yeah. And then Good. The, oh, Ben. I love it when Ben gets all. Cocksure. Well, it was ridiculous. Well, I don't understand what sort of leverage she thought she had at this point. Oh, it's not about you. It's she, about her. She's threatening me with an extra week of vacation or something. I don't know what she thought she was doing. I yeah. Mean, yeah, she can't legally do that. But um, well, whatever. So anyway, I went home and the internet is fixed now. So yeah, look at that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love all the feet going over it. Uh, this funny. is what a podcast is like when we record it with my kids in the house. This is why I try to avoid it every time. Yeah, just clean it up and post. It'll be fine. Pretty soon we're going to hear my oldest has been playing Spider-Man on the PS4. Okay. And boy, I bought a a sound bar. Wait, PS4, you don't love her enough to get her a PS5? Can't get it. I want it. I can't get it. I Um, settled for a PS4. I never owned a PS4 before. I got one because I can't get a PS5. And I said, fine, we'll get the PS4 and we'll just kind of sit on that until the PS5 comes out. Uh, Guy, I got a sound bar because I'm a sound bar family now. Um, and so music uh, and uh, movies, oh, the whole house shakes. And I have these little uh, uh, brass platters on the wall that when the bass really gets going, they go, it's a lot of fun. I love every minute of it. It sucks like for it. podcasting because she's yeah. going to turn on Spider-Man pretty soon and okay. start playing, and we're going to hear all sorts of horrible goddamn noises on our show. I can't wait. Yeah. So you told her that. You got your uh, internet. And then uh, what'd she do when you came back? Was there kind of like a, a grudging respect? Was there sort of like a surly, like a, a snake-coiled, ready-to-strike kind of attitude about her? I don't know. I uh, didn't see her then. So she was oh. actually off on Friday. So this was Friday that I had to go home for the internet. So she took Friday off? She was off all day Friday. <laughs> um. That's amazing. And then she has some off-site meetings um, early this coming week. So I'm not going to see her again until Thursday. And then Friday is my last day, so... Oh, that worked out pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I don't really care at this point, so... So you're going to get more uh, vocal about stuff? Like, I don't like the way the bathroom's been smelling the last six months or so, and then just like, spit on her desk and walk out? Uh, what else are you going to do? I don't see that happening, but... All right, I, I did have my exit interview already, which I thought was a little weird that they already did that. Well, they're used to it, because people are leaving your company like crazy. Yeah. It's like an exodus. Uh, it is. Did you do the weird bitter thing where you actually told the truth about all your problems with the company, or did you just do the nice thing, which is like, I just didn't feel like it was good for me and my potential? Um, no, it was somewhere in the middle. I hmm. n- no, I went into pretty vivid detail. I don't know, vivid. I, I went into detail <laughs> as to why I was quitting and why I didn't think it was a good place for me to work and why I thought a lot of other people have quit. Because turnover is a serious issue at this company. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because they're terrible, and they treat their employees like shit, so... Ben, can I tell you what I would do if I had an uh, exit interview at your company? What would you do, Glenn? I would spend it complaining about a person that doesn't even work there. 
like everything would be like, I just don't think that this place is working out for me. I feel like that, like my growth is kind of stunted here. I kind of have like a five-year plan that I don't see me achieving over time. And Stefan, I'm sick of <laughs> Stefan. He's in the fridge and he's eating everyone's stuff. We all know it. Just keep complaining about Stefan in between your actual real problems. That would well, be kind of a lot of fun. They're like, who is Stefan? And he's literally driving everyone out of the company. <laughs> they got to try and figure out who this guy is. It's too late now. I already had the internet. I can ask for a follow-up exit interview. I don't maybe. know why you don't check in with him. Uh, uh, I could have helped you. Yeah. All right, fine. Yeah, I know. Oh, me? Oh, you got anything else? Well, we can talk about you, and then we can talk about our server at... <laughs> the hamburger restaurant. Yeah. I know. Again, that's the reason why we go to this place before every show because we don't enjoy it. Um, I had another beer. Ben had one, and I had four because I'm burning off steam. I had two, but yeah. oh, did you? Oh, yeah, you're right. You had two. Fine. I doubled your your intake because yep. I'm a man, uh-huh. and I know how to party. Uh, I. Uh, but you reached a point you're like I just I just want to leave because the people next to us were really loud, but they weren't racist loud. No, they weren't. They were just sports loud. They I were just, watching the Twins game. And I just really have excited. my limit there. We had reached my limit of how much time I can spend there before I need to leave. So you're not into the idea I came up with while we were there, which is no, me- definitely not. Okay, I thought I made that clear. I said that we should spend a good six to eight hours. Sitting at this place where we make a point of trying to chat up everyone in the place. Yeah, I'm not on board with this at all. Okay, fine. Well, you're not a a, a, a fun man. I just don't want to know any of these people. Well, you don't have to know them. You just spend six to eight hours getting really in there close with them and then never see them again. Until we go back the next time because they're all regulars. <laughs> As you found out about the Trump lady, should yeah. I just let you take over? Go ahead and tell sure. the story of the bar tonight. So, well, the Trump lady that I took, uh, mm-hmm. that we uh, talked about last time. Yep. Under a very special drunken two-hour epic that you put. I was surprised when I saw that episode. and hmm. thought, I thought you were going to edit it more. I was a little surprised to see the runtime on that was, whatever, hour and you 15 minutes or no whatever. You have no idea how much editing I did. I mean, the editing took two days, which never normally happens. <laughs> and on top of it, there was enough of us starting to make a point, and then an hour later we continue that point, and then an hour <laughs> after that we finally finished the point, and it was hard to juggle all the editing. So, yeah, it wound up being I, two hours just because... Yeah. Linearly, I don't know how to make that all work. So no, you got the, what you got. Well, it was fine. Like, I've gotten was it fine? Overwhelmingly positive looking? feedback from the listeners. We actually did get some positive yeah. feedback, which is kind of weird. I mean, you know, from three people, but well, still, yeah. <laughs> it's better than nothing. It's better than total silence from the internet as yeah. we get drunk and record ourselves. <laughs> so anyway, one of the the tales we recounted was of the really obnoxious lady in the Trump twenty twenty T shirt. Mm. Um, causing a little bit of a scene, arguing with the people that she was there with and, like, storming inside and then storming back out to yell at them some more and then yep. going back inside and then coming back out. That's the whole, I've been to Michigan. You have, don't, have no fucking idea what I've seen. Also, it's my birthday, and you guys didn't offer to take care of my cat. I believe it was Milwaukee, but... <laughs> oh, sorry, you're right, yes. Milwaukee. Yep. And then, uh, then she asked if she could have that guy's pickle. Um, <laughs> yep. So I found out um, one of my co-workers, soon-to-be former co-worker, because I got a new job... <laughs> Anyway, she isn't also, that coworker also quitting? You said or no? Uh, no, she's one of the few that isn't yet. What's wrong with her? Uh, I don't know. Well, she lives around here and she goes to this bar a lot. That's part of what's wrong with her because we go there out of like we need material to talk about. Yeah, she goes there for pleasure. Well, convenience. She she lives. Not convenience. It's for pleasure. She lives in the neighborhood. So yeah, anyway, I, I was telling her, her. I was telling her about this scene that we witnessed, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that lady's a regular. She does that all the time, and that's like her <laughs> signature move is to like yell at people and storm inside, and then storm back out and yell at them some more, and then oh, storm yeah. back to inside to prevent them like, from actually saying something back to her. She's got to leave yeah. real quick. Like yeah, you're so, all a bunch of losers. That, that runs really yeah. quick. So yeah. yeah, that's her thing. She's there like every weekend, and she does that every time she's there. It sounds like so that's fantastic. So that's cool, yeah, and that's why I don't want to spend six to eight hours there interacting with the people because they're regulars, and we're just. Well, we would see them again, and then... If you go on a weeknight, so this is Labor Daver, and uh, we went, so it's technically, it's a Monday, um, we saw a whole different band of people there. Uh, one of uh, them is a guy on a really dumb, longboardish kind of skateboard that's just kind of like a tank, but it's a skateboard. Uh, he had to pick it up and carry it around yeah. because it defeats the purpose. But then his girlfriend was wearing little roller skates, and yeah. oh boy, she looked fun. She yeah, sat over there like a little kid, wiggling her legs under the table because they can't reach the ground, and with their skates and stuff. And I was like, this is a whole different kind of group of people. Um, and then there's that one guy 
who stood at one of the standing things that's supposed to be like the heat lamps that yeah. also have like a little little table yeah. on them or whatever. Yeah. So he's standing there and he's just looking. He stood there and he just looks at the table next to him and just listens in on their conversations. Yeah. He smokes cigarette and after cigarette. Kept trying to like butt in too. That's he the thing. was talking to them and they were just ignoring him. And he kept totally. Like trying to engage them in the conversation. Well, but he was engaging him in a way as if he's been their friends the, his whole life. Because they'd be sitting there saying like, and then that's when Stephen had the gun. And then somebody else goes, Stephen had a gun? Like, yeah, Stephen had a gun. Then this guy with the cigarette's like, wait, what? Like that? And then they'd kind of get quiet and they'd look at him. And they'd look back to each other and keep talking. <laughs> it's like, you're not part of our friend group, no. my friend. But uh, yeah, then at one point he turned to you and I and said, am I blocking the screen? Are you trying to watch the game? And we both fell over our own dicks trying to make sure that he knows that we are not interested in the game. He is not bothering us. Please do not talk to us. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't do that, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, so our server tonight, mm-hmm. as indicated on the bill, was uh, named Old Man Lendog P. <laughs> so there's that, too. Len, like L-E-N? L-E-N. Dog. Len Dog. So it's like his first name, like like I'd be Glenn Dog. That yeah. makes me sound cool. But it's Dog with but a W. But then just slaps the word P at the end. To what, offend you? Dog or? with a W, though, right? You got that part. Is that what that's on there? Dog. Yeah, D-A-W-G. Mm. Old man Len Dog P. He looks like a both plump but also rotting raisin. He did not look like a normal man. He looked... Like, he wasn't very healthy. Like, when did he come up with this name? Back in the 90s when he was, like, more of, like, cool? And everyone's like, oh, shit, it's Len Dog. Here he comes. Yeah. He's like, what's up, fellas? And he's got, like, a big stocking hat or something. I don't know. Could Huge be. pants. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Len Dog was a, a nice enough server. He didn't make us sit there forever and ever like we normally have. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, oh. Competent, yeah. When you went to go pee, uh, there was a group of men... That uh, they were definitely older, like kind of in their 70s, I'm wondering, like late 60s, early 70s. And yeah. they were so drunk that the door would open and one would come out with kind of like a zombie stare and stumbling around trying to get to whatever table he decides he wants to go to. And it's one of those things where he's walking in diagonally, but his eyes are fixed on the table he wants to get to. But he's just doing this crazy roundabout drunken way to get there. One guy, next guy comes up, literally stands behind you, which cracked me up. Because he, like, walked all the way over to you, but his head is turned towards the table he wants to go to, but he's, like, stumbling over towards you, and he came right up behind you and then finally dipped over to the table or whatever. And I'm like, this is amazing. Uh, then there was one that was really, really, really old. Like, the guy looked decrepit. And he sat down, and his face, you know, he's they're all drunk as hell. I don't know how long they've been at this bar, but they are very, very drunk. When you went up to go pee, the other guys got up for some reason and like left this one guy alone. And yeah. that one guy stared at me with the eyes of a hot burning laser. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I kind of saw it from the side of my face. And I was like, oh, see this guy's staring at me. Why is he staring at me? Like, well, he's drunk. He's just staring off in the distance. Yeah. Maybe. But then when I looked over and locked eyes on him, he immediately did the panic thing where he like looks away and looks at the ground mm-hmm. real quick. I think the old man wanted to fuck me. Was he, he was struck by your beauty. I mean, except for the large pores. The the puffy cheeks from years of drinking. Yeah, the, the reddish hue around the nose and mouth. Uh, yeah, I am good looking. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you deserve to hear it more. I do deserve to hear it more, but that's none of your business. Uh, are we done? I Should think so. Move on to yeah. Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. I mean, it's getting late. Let's get this night going. All right. Backyard Blast. Do you want to introduce? It's your mom. Maybe you should be the one that introduces that section. Go on. I thought I always did. Usually don't. Well, I shout Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. And then and then I just say Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. Like after I say it? I don't know. Isn't that what we usually do? Now I'm overthinking it. I don't even I know how we're this canceling works. each other out right now. Why don't we pretend like we didn't have this conversation and then you just introduce <clears throat> your mom's section because you're a son and this is the section where you two actually like... Connect. This is how we bond. Go on. Do it. I'll pretend like I didn't say anything. Right now. Go. Are you ready? Do it. But you got to get the music going. Go. Go. 
Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. That was boring. Try again. Gretchen's Backyard Blast <laughs> Bird Blurb. One more time. <laughs> Gretchen's Backyard Blast Bird Blurb. Maybe your intro for this is to say it three times really fast like that. <laughs> That's how it gets exciting. Today, oh, we'll learn a few tidbits about the purple martin. Oh. It is the largest swallow species in North America. <laughs> They once nested in tree cavities, but now almost exclusively nest in man-made nesting boxes. Wow. Man-made. They return to the same nest site each year and often nest within 100 feet of a human dwelling. Their main diet is dragonflies. Hmm. They often drink and bathe while flying by skimming water or flying through rain. Hmm. Huge colonies gather in the fall to migrate to South America. Purple is my favorite color. I like it more than red and blue combined. <laughs> I was not ready for that at No, all. neither was I. <sighs> oh, that was awesome. Knock, knock. Uh, really? Knock, knock. No more bird information? Knock, knock. Got it. Okay, who's there? Lena. <laughs> Gonna lean on something. I can see, I can already, I'm getting, I'm starting to get the hang of these jokes. Lena who? Lean a little closer and I'll tell you another joke. Knock, knock. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> who's there? A door. Adorable. I get it already. This doorknob is adorable. Wait, you're adorable. Open the door. I think you're adorable. Okay, adorable who? No, a door. A door who? A door is between us, so please open up. Oh, it's way off. Knock, knock. Again? Knock, knock. How many? Knock, knock. I have to know how many. Knock, knock. (laughs) Who's there? Alex. (laughs) Alex who? Alex, explain when you open the door. (laughs) You realize all these things are like weird predator kind of assault scenarios. Okay, knock, knock. Again? Knock, knock. Is there any more after this? Knock, knock. Answer my question. Knock, knock. Who's there? Cargo. Cargo who? Cargo's fast? I don't know what. Cargo beep beep and vroom vroom. Oh, damn it. I was so close this time. <laughs> knock, knock. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. That was it. Oh, you scared the yeah, shit out I of know. me. I know. Can we move the fuck on? Yeah, we should. Well, Gretchen did a good job. Thanks, as always, Gretchen. As yeah. always, Gretchen. Hopefully, Ben will come up with a better intro. Unless you just say, like, I'll come up with new music if it's your voice with a lot of echoes and reverb. <laughs> going, Backyard Blast Burbler, Backyard Blast Burbler. It's getting louder and louder. <laughs> yeah, we can do that, right? All right. We'll do it on the next one. Okay. What's up? Uh... Hot new books for teens that slap. Wait, they're hot new books, huh? What am I supposed to say normally? I don't know. Like, if they're hot, that's that's good. I didn't know Tits that's Tits new books for teens <laughs> that slap. This week, I'm going to read about a new book coming up called For Better or Cursed uh, by Kate M. Williams. Uh, it's part of the Babysitter's Coven series. <laughs> what? Want to learn about it? Sure you do, Ben. Sure you're getting all wet over there. About wait, wait, for there, better... Are what? there vampire babysitters now or something? Are you going to let me read this, or what are we doing I'm, right Why just you, babysitter's coven? I didn't know that. Like, what the hell's going on? It's uh, taking the whole babysitter's club thing and just yeah. kind of turning it on its ear and really revamping it and making it exciting and new for kids today that enjoy vampires and babysitting. <clears throat> Veronica Mars meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer in this clever, action-packed sequel to The Babysitter's Coven about a coven of witchy babysitters who realize they're calling to protect the innocent and save the world from an onslaught of evil. Wait, back up. So what's the, the combination here? What meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It's Veronica Mars meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I never watched Veronica Mars. So mine says it's Adventures in Babysitting meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Are you Slayer. doing the thing where you keep going to that crap website that gets everything wrong? I'm getting it from Penguin Random House Books itself. I'm getting it from Goodreads. I'm getting it from the mouth of God because they're the ones that published it. God published it? I mean, like, anyways, Esme, Esme, Uh-oh. Mm, 
Esme Pearl's <laughs> life used to be all about bumming rides and bumming rides and babysitting. <laughs> How's that mean? <laughs> Just smoking a cigarette. Hey, can I hit your ride with you? I got another babysitting gig. <laughs> sure, it wasn't glamorous, but it was predictable. All that changed when Cassandra, Cassandra Heaven, came to town. And they discovered their complicated and connected legacy. Esme and Cassandra. Is Cassandra another name from Twilight? I feel like it I, is. I don't know. Oh, God. I don't think it is, but... Well, they're sitters now. Esme and Cassandra are sitters. Supernaturally gifted teens armed with an ever-changing grimoire of sitter witchcraft to help them protect the innocent and keep evil demons at bay. You know... Nah. Typical teenage <laughs> stuff. You're laughing at you pile of shit. But just as Esme <laughs> starts to adjust to and maybe even like her new normal, life lobs another glitter bomb her way. The fuck? <laughs> glitter bomb. God damn this. The Synod and the Sisterhood's governing circle. It's Sitterhood. Synod and. Oh, you're right, Sitterhood. Governing circle has called a summit. A once-in-a-generation... There's a lot of dashes between words in this this little paragraph here, and I'm loving every goddamn... Once-in-a-generation gathering that promises training, education, and a lot of icebreakers. Uh, Esme should be excited. A summit might mean she can finally get the answer she desperately wants, dash, but she can't shake a building uh, sense of panic. Can't Can't shake a building sense of panic. Oh, not a building full of panic. Just... A building sense of panic inside her. Yeah, building is uh, not a noun here. It's a verb. I got a little confused. I don't know. I, know. I mean, you know, I read real, real fast. I read real, real fast. And so I get confused. Especially since Cassandra's not acting like herself. Esme's dad is MIA. Pig is out of dog food. <laughs> Janice is scared to be alone. And there's a guy who seems too good to be true again. Hmm. Gotta throw a little romance in there. I'm not gonna read this unless someone's falling in love with someone. What's the point? It's vampires. What are they sitting around by themselves? No, they gotta be in a relationship. Worst of all, there's no one watching the kids. It's obvious the summit is a hot mess. Uh, But will it be a deadly one too? So, with that, you can go pick up a copy of uh, For Better or Cursed by Kate M. Williams. It's part of the Babysitter's Coven. Uh, You can find that at Amazon, uh, Barnes Noble, uh, Hudson Booksellers, Indie Bound, Powell's, Target. My favorite name that I will never shop there because my dedication to another institution, which is Books A Million, uh, and also one that Ben might have something to say about because he seems to uh, memorize this crap, and they never give us a dollar, but you will not stop. Go ahead. Well, the internet book shopping venue that's closest to my heart is bookshop.org, <laughs> and that's because they're on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. I... <laughs> implore you to check out bookshop.org. <laughs> Please, madam, I beg you. Yes. Uh, I love that Ben texted me the last time we recorded. Uh, I think it was when you were hungover, maybe, or it was the day after. Uh, but then you texted, because we talked about how uh, bookshop.org has never given us a cent, yeah. but yet we're so dedicated to promoting them constantly uh, that we gain nothing from it. And I personally don't get my books from there. I just get mine on my Kindle. Uh, but you said, hey, we made like 20 bucks or 15 bucks or something. I think it was $5.70. Oh, was it, okay. Well, there you go. And then you're like, then like 10, 15 minutes later, oh, wait, I think it's me buying books through our own shop. Yeah, that's what it was. I got excited because I thought somebody actually bought through our affiliate shop, and then I realized that was just me. Nope. It's just old Ben getting confused. Well, that was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, don't let that detract from their mission of financially supporting an independent, bo- independent bookseller. <laughs> Bookshop.org. <laughs> Walmart! <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I almost forgot. I started flipping over my notes. Uh, and also, you can find it at Walmart! There. You happy now? Get into the book, Ben. Can I, call, can I call you old man Glenn Dog P? <laughs> I like when you said P. The sink just did a drip in that bucket. <laughs> I haven't peed in that thing in nigh under two hours. Uh, let's introduce the book, The Naked Face by Sidney Sheldon. Uh, background of the book is published in 1970. And it has not aged well. No. It we'll is get into it. that later. Well, you're going straight for the throat. Can I build yeah. up? Can we do like, yeah, have a little, a little slap teaser. and tickle first? Just want, just want the readers to uh, 
Just tease him a little bit about what's coming up. You're not teasing when you go for the throat and say it's not aged well. You're already talking about the racism already. The well, naked no, face... no, you're talking about the racism. I was just teasing. <laughs> you the... implied that The Naked Face is the first novel written by Sidney Sheldon. It's you didn't not mention the rampant homophobia. We're going to get there. Okay. Oh, and how you can cure homo- uh, homosexuality? Wait, wait, save it for the show. That is not See, I was just teasing. Now you're just spelling it all out. Ben, I'm simply trying to read my notes. Can I simply please read my notes? It was nominated by the Mystery Writers of America for the Edgar Allan Poe Award uh, for the best first novel by an American author. In 1984, the novel was adapted as a film directed by Brian Forbes, uh, starring Roger Moore, who I got the audiobook version of this, and he reads the audiobook. And it is sounding like a man who's drinking scotch and smoking a cigarette as he's reading the words. Uh, and Rod Steiger, the second adaption, adaptation, said that wrong, is the Ukrainian feature-length film Sheriff Star, Zerka Shafira, in 1992, directed by Maloka Litas and starring Irina Alf Yorva. That's not how you say it, I'm sure. Arnis uh, Liktis and Sergei <laughs> Martinov. Uh, I'm just a man. In 2007, <laughs> Sunil Kumar Desai, I think, directed... <laughs> probably not. Canada. K-A-N-N-A-D-A. I think it's probably still Canada. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I'm just a man. I never left the state of Minnesota. Uh, Kashna Kashna, which was based on this novel. Some background about the author? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Born February 11th, 1917. What was that? I had a piece of burger in my mouth. I just spat it out on my basement floor. Died January 30th, 2007 at the age of 89. That's a rich age. Sheldon was prominent in the 1930s, first working on Broadway plays and then in motion pictures, notably writing the successful comedy uh, The Bachelor and The Bobby Soxer. Ah, that's a great movie. 1947, which earned him an Oscar in yep. 1948. You got something you want to say about The Bobby Soxer? Just a great movie, I'm sure, right? Oh, we should just watch it sometime. It's just the, the, the two of us. The Bachelor and the Bobby Sox. We should both sit on the couch, hip against hip, uh, <laughs> and just sit there with our hands folded in our laps and quietly watch that movie for the full duration. He went on to work in television, where his works spanned a 20-year period, during which he created The Patty Duke Show, 1963 1966. I Dream of Genie, probably the most ridiculous. Out of, the Patty Duke is dumb, because... <laughs> You take this one, because I read about how he met Patty Duke, and it's like, I guess he had, like, lunch with her or something. Somebody, like, introduced them. He had lunch, and he goes, boy, you're gangbusters. You're a bottle rocket. I got to make a show out of you. And then said, but better yet, what if there's two of you? And uh, that's an actual thing that really happened. Then he made I Dream of Genie, which is just a NASA uh, rocket, like an astronaut, just gets genie in the bottle. And yeah. Boy, the craziness that happens. Stop granting all my wishes. I hate it. That's pretty much the whole show. <laughs> 1965, 1970, and Heart to Heart, which I remember watching as a, a tiny little kid, uh, not understanding any of it, definitely was too young to understand. Uh, the sexual tension. From 1979 to 1984, after turning 50, he began writing best-selling romance suspense novels, such as Master of the Game. In 1982, The Other Side of Midnight. These are all really vague titles that just kind of suck. 1973, and Rage of Angels, which is probably more awesome, in 1980. And he probably made up that name because in 1980, heavy metal was a big deal. He probably got that name from that. Boy, that's when his novels got real tits. Yep. Would you agree, Ben? I agree. His 18 novels have sold over 300 million copies. In 51 languages, Sheldon is constantly cited as one of the uh, top 10 best-selling fiction writers of all time. Oh, want to hear a fun fact? Yes. I really shouted that really loud. I mean, you're only like three feet away from me. The novels contained uh, suspense and devices to keep the reader turning the page. He says, and I quote, I tried to write my books so the reader can't put them down. <laughs> Explain 1902 interview. I try to construct them so when the reader gets to the end of it, he or she has to read just one more chapter. Uh, it's the technique of the old Saturday afternoon serial, leaving the guy hanging on the edge of a cliff at the end of the chapter. I would love it if that when he's being asked that, and this is the quote we're reading, he made his own quote a cliffhanger of some sort. I mean, he's truly a genius. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> and my favorite part, uh, most of his readers were women. Asked why this was the case, because it's apparently a problem. How do you get this infestation of women out from your books? Yeah. Like a gaggle of rats. 
Uh, I like to write about women who are talented and capable, which sounds really nice, right? It does, Michael, it? that's very forward-thinking of you for the 1970s when you're writing this, so that's great. Uh, but he says, but most important, retain their femininity. So that starts to sound like we're that's taking a turn downwards. Of the utmost importance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then he follows it up with uh, what completely crushes his point and destroys any uh, you know, respected half for him. Women have tremendous power, which is great. Their femininity, which is uh, complicated, uh, because men can't do without it. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the power of women is how they can affect men. Ruins the whole quote. Three years after his death, the Los Angeles Times called Sheldon Mr. Blockbuster. They also called him the Prince of Pop Oilers. The what? Prince of Pop Oilers. Oh, okay. Not really sure what that's supposed to mean. There's a lot of phrases in here, like sneak thief. <laughs> don't really know what they mean. Well, Ben, why don't we overview the book? Yeah. Go on, do your thing. Do you want to do it as a, a grumpy gumshoe solving a crime, but you have a, a, a failing kidney and uh, three three divorces under your belt and a whole shitload of... Just these kids with mouths that are constantly eating all your money. Is that... I'm trying to set you up for a certain mood so you can start reading that way. Well... (laughs) (laughs) If I'm prepared to do that. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, Yeah, okay, so... Yeah, you nailed it. This is great. Yeah, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, okay, so. <laughs> yeah, okay, so here, here's, a, here's a scene, all right? We got we got uh, the stock. I already don't remember what this oh, God damn name it. is. D- Judd? Is it Judd Stevens or something? Is it Judd Stevens? Yeah, let me get my notes out. Hold on, let's pause for Dr. a second. Dr. Judd Stevens, let's I think. Let's pause for a second. Well, I just got Dr. Stevens, so, yeah. Wait, I think it's Judd. Okay, start over. Why? I nailed it. <laughs> Fine. Dr. Judd Stevens. Dr. Judd Stevens. What he's about a, it, Ben? What makes him so excited? He's an esteemed and successful psychoanalyst. Yeah. Uh, the most renowned in his craft in uh, all of New York, if not the whole nation. Sure. I mean, Very he's got to have some problems, though, right? Some complications going on. Well, the problem is people keep dying. Yeah. People close to him, connected to him, keep dying. Does he ever do anything questionable, like, I don't know, scoop up a, a prostitute and then make her uh, the front desk person at his office? Yes. Oh, he does? A 16-year-old prostitute rescues her from night court <laughs> and uh, makes her his receptionist. Which is a delightful show back in the 80s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she eventually ends up dead. Before she dies, is the, uh, the other guy dies because hmm. uh, in the case of mistaken identity, he was, yeah. he was wearing the doctor's raincoat because the doctor's a generous man. It was raining. His patient didn't have a coat. So he lent him his coat for the walk home in the in the Manhattan snow. It's oh, like a modern and day Jesus. he got stabbed in the back, which ah. was very sad because this man was going home to tell his wife that the esteemed Doctor Stevens had cured him of his homosexuality. <laughs> so he's in a good mood until he got stabbed. <laughs> I love that. Ah, after years of fighting homosexuality, I'm finally cured, and I want to do nothing. But smash clits. Then he gets stabbed in the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Falls it's over. Tragic end there. Um, it is tragic. So anyway, these two people are dead, and now the cops are thinking that uh, maybe Doctor Stevens had something to do with this. Mm. And they uh, turns out the uh, the sixteen year old dame. Well, she's twenty now. She's been working for four years. But the receptionist, she was pregnant. And so the cop puts two and two together, and with no evidence or anything or any reason to think this is the case, he Don't need it. assumes that the doctor got her pregnant, and then the doctor killed her to cover that up, and then also killed the other guy because he must have heard something about her being pregnant. Yes. Can I? But well, anyway, there's a whole good oh, cop, bad cop thing going on. God damn it. What do you want? I held up a finger. I want okay. to interject something. Interject. Didn't he admit that he had her come sleep over and stuff? And have, like, tender moments with her because she needs to understand what real love is and not prostitution love? I thought that was a thing in the book. It was this one night. This is the first night after he rescued her from night court. <laughs> I like the way you say night court. Yeah. <laughs> he brought her back to his apartment. Mm-hmm. Nothing untoward happened. No, okay. Okay. She tried. Because she's she's a horse. She knows no other <laughs> way. Yeah, he, uh, the, the doctor's a good man, though, and he, uh... Horse do what horse do. God damn it, I can't even say it. (laughs) Anyway, he's a strong-willed and upstanding gentleman, so he turned that down. Mm. Oh, it turns out in the past, the doctor, he used to be married and had a kid on the way, but they died in a car accident. Mm. He's just a modern-day Jesus all the way through. A sympathetic person that's just out there to help the the little man. The the cops are uh, suspecting him, but it's kind of a good cop, bad cop situation we got Mm. here. One of the grizzled old veteran is... uh, 
think the doc has something to do with it. And also, there's a history there because uh, this grizzled old cop, his partner died, got shot by a perp. And uh, the doc here, he got the perp sent to a mental institution. He uh, he testified that the, the perp was uh, clinically um, insane. So yeah. so the, the cop is a little bitter about that. Hmm. But then you got the younger, like the... The good cop, and he's kind of believing the doc. He's kind of on the doc's side, so there's a little bit of tension there. Sure, a little push and pull, a little yeah. fuss and fight, a little slap and tickle. I get it. That's still cool. Yeah. Then what happens, Ben? Oh, well, then oh boy. So someone's coming <laughs> oh, to fish. Oh boy, where do I start? Someone's uh, <laughs> uh, the doc thinks someone's out to get him. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh boy, somebody came to finish the job. Tried to run him over with a limousine in, in a <laughs> snowstorm. Doc is just crossing the street. Limousine didn't have his headlights on and just. Uh, Came uh, veering towards him and hit him. Which is so stupid because if you're going to try and hit someone, just have a normal car. But, of course, this is a guy who in the 1970s has been working in Hollywood for years. Like, well, of course you're going to use a limousine, which is easily traceable back to the original person that rented that limousine for that day. Or owns the driver. Do you still own people? <laughs> 1970, he probably did. Yeah, he probably did. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, Doc's in the hospital and... Uh, He's having a hard time getting anyone to believe that uh, people are out to get him. And he's starting to think, well, maybe I'm crazy myself. Yep. Maybe I'm a paranoiac. All this is stupid because there's witnesses, there's all sorts Uh of stuff. But uh, but nope, it's like, it's your word against no one even knowing that it ever happened. He's like, maybe I'm the crazy one. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Doc, uh, he he decides he can't really rely on the cops. So he hires a private investigator, private eye. Yeah. Just finds them in the yellow pages. That's how you do it. And, uh... Probably got a run-down office where his name is peeling off the glass door. Yeah, 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 got, yeah a run-down office. It was, uh, it says something about he didn't spend money on comfort Yeah, I don't need to. Yeah. He's a gumshoe. The gumshoe, yeah. If he's not working in the office, he's yeah. drinking. Yep. Yeah. So, anyway, now he's on the case, and, uh, boy, someone tries to kill the doc by rigging his car with dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, private eye was onto that, so he uh, nipped that in the bud. And uh, but of course, all of that is like, well, you don't know for sure if that happened. Maybe you're the crazy one. But there's dynamite be. in the car that people witnessed and had to remove. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what are you nuts? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I don't know. That's kind of where we left it. So we, we find out in the second half of this book of uh, who's out to get the duck. Yeah. Well, I got a couple notes. Okay. Nothing too exciting. Uh, Doctor Stevens uh, cured Hanson's homosexuality. That the curing of homosexuality was mentioned uh, a good handful of times, kind of casually thrown about. Like, well, yeah, homosexuality could be cured. I mean, it's just constantly being thrown yeah, about there. Yeah, there's also quite a few uh, derogatory terms used to describe. Oh, we're getting to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm just. I'm. Right okay. Now, I'm dipping my toe in the lake right now, okay. but pretty soon we're going to go all in and get wet. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. the police interviewing Hanson's uh, dead Hanson's wife. Uh, I got a couple quotes down, which is, um, do you know if he had any homo playmates? That was a pretty cool one. Yeah, that was great. They described her as a hard-boiled bitch, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and there's a, the, also the the detective said when she's like, well, you know, maybe he was into men, but I don't care. And he goes, well, there's a woman in every man. <sighs> and a man in every woman. <laughs> and I was like, this is horrible. It is. So... I was pointing out that uh, this style of kind of, like, gritty, it was kind of a big deal in, like, the 70s. I remember, like, Taxi Driver is one. Uh, There's probably some other movies. There's a a guy who, there's a movie out about this writer. He wrote for comic books uh, in the 70s and stuff. This Sidney Sheldon? No, 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 different writer, sorry. There's this one writer, Harvey Pekar, who wrote American Splendor. And uh, what he did is he wrote the whole script. Then he had a whole bunch of, like, independent comic book artists and stuff illustrated for him. And um, it wound up being mildly famous. He wound up being on the David Letterman show a lot because the guy was just nuts and just said bizarre things. So David Letterman bring him on just to make fun of this yeah, guy with like yeah. a mentalist like, problem or whatever. Um, his, I actually read it because I saw a movie about it and I was like, oh, this seems weird. So I got the book and I read it and I couldn't finish it. I got like past the first 12 pages. I'm like, well, I'm done because it all starts <laughs> out with like, this part of New York's full of a lot of angry Jews and, and blacks that are always looking out for easy money and, like, that kind of crap. I'm like, this is horrible because it's this sort of – in the time period, they're really big on being like, this is the kind of gritty lifestyle most of you don't know about. And it's highly offensive the way they describe it. It's always boiling down to, like, race, uh, ethnic background, religions, and sexuality and stuff. This book is all that. Definitely jumped on that bandwagon. 
So that style of uh, talking about gritty, dark city life is just insulting because all you're doing is just saying that everyone who's like this is subhuman to some degree. Like, it's a bad environment with bad people and I happen to be here. So these cops, or these detectives, are just listing off all this horrible stuff. And I have a sample to let the reader or the, the listeners understand what the hell we're dealing with. No, they were here to bust her. She was carrying grass in her purse, and some loudmouth prick had rapped about it. But why two of them? Carol tried to tell herself that they could not touch her. She was no longer some dumb black hooker from Harlem that they could push around. Not anymore. She was the receptionist for one of the biggest psychoanalysts in the country. But as the two men moved towards her, Carol's panic increased. There was the feral memory of too many years of hiding in stinking, overcrowded tenement apartments while the white law broke down doors and hauled away a father or a sister or a cousin. But nothing of the turmoil in her mind showed on her face. At first glance, the two detectives saw only a young and nubile, tawny-skinned n***ress in a smartly tailored beige dress. Her voice was cool and impersonal. May I help you? she asked. Then Lieutenant Andrew McGreevy, the older detective, spotted the spreading perspiration stain under the armpit of her dress. Really focus on the armpit. He automatically filed it away as an interesting... That was the thing. There was a lot of armpit perspiration talk in that first couple chapters with her. (laughs) So that's kind of giving you an idea of he's trying to be uh, streetwise smart, like... uh, But it's just horrible and racist and bigoted and just gross. Um... Later on, uh, he, the therapist, uh, is interviewing a guy named Burke or talking to a man named Burke. And that's one thing this book also sucks at is understanding people with mental issues of any type. They, uh, they're all fantastical. So Burke is a guy that's just got general paranoia that they are coming to get him. And I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, and so he solves the issue by uh, basically playing into his paranoia, saying, uh, well, don't do anything violent, because if you do that, then they're going to put you away. That's exactly what they want. Then he's like, oh, my God, you get me in. You're on my side. And I'm like, this is not how a therapist would ever talk to a client. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> you 50, don't play 50 years it. ago, maybe? What? I don't know. Is that how it worked 50 years ago? Do you think that's what they did back then? My God, that'd be insane. Also, there's another one later on in the book where he's just flat out dealing with a nympho. Like a nymphomaniac woman. So these are like these weird, completely unrealistic, oversimplified, weird, like that. It it was horrible. So like this author has no idea about like race relations, definitely doesn't understand about homosexuality and knows nothing about uh, being a psychiatrist or whatever. Uh, The Terry the Nympho, well, she grew up in a coal mining town. Her her father was a quote unquote dumb Polak. So that's more fun there. Uh, He got his kicks from boiler makers every night and beating his quote unquote old lady. And when Terry was 13, she had the body of a woman in the face of an angel. And she learned that she could earn, she could earn nickels, nickels, Ben, (laughs) by going into the back of the mines with the miners. Uh, I wrote that there's a term called sneak thieves in chapter eight, which I want to know what a sneak thief is. You want to look that up? Just look at your notes. It's just like a cat burglar, isn't it? It just sounds sneak so adorable. Thief. Yeah. <laughs> ah, <laughs> got another sneak thief, man. Get on, get out of here. And he's like, aha, you got me. And then he runs off. <laughs> he probably scurries off, doesn't he? He doesn't run. <laughs> he probably does. Like a little raccoon with his tiny little hands. Uh, oh, and then they got Moody. Who was Moody? I got confused on who Moody was. Was he another therapist or another, the therapist was talking to, yeah, another therapist, right? Or was it another yeah. detective? Because he had no, a lot of homespun Moody. stuff. Huh? He was doing a lot of homespun stuff, like, well, don't go out in the field if you can't handle the wheat, or just dumb shit like that. <laughs> yeah, wasn't Moody his his therapist friend? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I got I a little so. confused on that. But my favorite part about that is him saying, uh, well, if you're looking for seashells, you better go to the she- uh, seashore. Uh, are you a fairy? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's so and then the last chapter where I kind of just gave up halfway through the final chapter was uh, this comedian guy that he's doing his therapy with who's just not funny. Wait, did you ask who Moody is? Yeah. Yeah, Moody is the private investigator. Oh, because he was talking to Moody, almost doing therapy with Moody. Yeah. And then Moody's like, maybe you're the one that's crazy, and that, that whole thing came Yeah, out. yeah. yeah. No, Moody is the paradigm. Oh, uh, okay. Can't well, remember, I can't remember what his a fairy, so that's pretty cool. Psychiatrist friend's name is, but yeah. 
Yeah, so those are the notes I have for that. Um, uh, you got anything else you want to say about it? What? Okay, so in chapter 10, I didn't understand the part with Skeet Gibson, the comedian. I didn't either. I kind of gave up on that I didn't that understand chapter. if Skeet Gibson was actually a comedian or if he was just had... Oh, delusions? Yeah. Being, oh, I got confused on that. I just assumed I, I, that he I really still, was. I don't know. I like read that a couple... I, I don't know... Well, no one's doing reviews of this book, so when I finish reading chapters, I like to get on the internet and then just find if anyone does, like, kind of reviews of what I've read, and then I can make sure I don't miss anything important. Yeah. And, uh... No, no such luck. There's no one's writing about this book. No one cares about this book. Yeah. For good reason. But, um... Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's completely offensive. Uh-huh. But, uh, Skeet, I just assume, like, oh, he really is a comedian, and he really is, like doing well lately I and stuff. Or maybe you're right. Maybe he's like, it's another tell. fantastical crazy person yeah. just like making up cartoonist situations. Like, this guy thinks he's a carrot. How do I help him? The last guy who thinks everyone's after him, the the author writes that the therapist is like, well, if I only had gotten to him six months earlier, I could have cured him by now. Which is not how that works. No. No, <laughs> so that's not how it Maybe Skeet's a guy that thinks he's a comedian when he's not. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I'm not sure. I couldn't tell. No. All right, got anything else? Uh, no. It's just, yeah, this is so racist and homophobic. That was that was my main takeaway from the first ten chapters of this oh, book. Oh, insanely homophobic and deeply racist. Um, But it's trying to do that thing. I live in a gruff, rugged neighborhood, and everyone's some type of person that I get to make comments on. Uh, if you ever watch Taxi Driver, I'm telling you, it's the same goddamn problem. I have a discussion question. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to answer it? Wait, what's a what's a mix master? Do you know that? A mix master? Yeah. Like for hip hop? I don't know, because when he was talking to Terry Washburn, the nymphomaniac, right? Is she the nympho? But she asked Judd after he got in the car, or the hit and run thing, what happened to you? You look like you got caught between two horny mix masters. Whoa. I don't know what a mixmaster is. I don't know what two horny mixmasters. Well, now we got to look this up. I bet it's fucking hot. Ooh, what's the last thing I looked up? Oh, priapism. Do you want to see a guy with a boner that won't stop? That's from an old mosaic. Do you see that long phallus? <laughs> Do you see that how the, the foreskin is also hard? Why? Okay. I, I don't want to know why. That's none of your business. Let's look up mixmaster. I'm only seeing like hip hop stuff. Mixmaster, Mike. Damn maybe, it. Maybe it's just a stand mixer. I'm seeing a Sunbeam oh. Mixmaster. Oh, yeah, you're you can right. You buy one for $87 at Amazon. Sunbeam Mixmaster. There's even pictures of it. Well, okay. there we go. Well, neither one of us cook. <laughs> Do you want to hear my discussion question, Ben? Yes. Uh, so I say for a long time, gritty, hardball characters in movies and books normally have some narration or dialogue that lists off, like I said earlier, races, uh, ethnic background, sexuality, that kind of thing. And I say uh, the text driver and the comic book author that I just talked about are the two examples. Um, and I say, with this book, is the racial sexual commentary so heavy-handed that even the readers of the time were annoyed by it? Because it is so heavy-handed. If you watch mm. Taxi Driver... They touch on this same sort of theme, like, I live in a world where there's hookers and blah, 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 and racist slurs, whatever. And But they don't, it's not like 90% of what you're reading. That's kind of what all this book was, was just constantly hammering in just bigoted stuff and homophobic stuff. I, I feel like, no, because it sold a lot of copies. And... So you don't think anyone back then wrote a commentary on it saying, like, wow, this guy really doesn't like everyone in this neighborhood he's writing I about? Don't... I don't know. I would be a little surprised because I think yeah, probably a lot's changed in 50 years. Well, I'm, you have me reading, where'd it go? Uh, the Hardy Boys book. Oh, it's upstairs. Uh, the Hardy Boys book. And that one was so racist that in the 1950s they had to edit it down. So I was thinking by the 1970s, no. if someone's like listing off all these comments about Polish people and everything else, that people might be like, eh, that sucks. Cut it out. But I, I guess don't know, maybe not, because this, this is a gritty crime drama, so... I suppose. That's just life on the streets. <laughs> life on the streets makes you just racist yeah. all the time. <laughs> and homophobic and everything else. Also, life on the streets makes you believe that you can cure 
homosexuality. <laughs> yeah, well, I think in 1970, I don't know if uh, very many people were that concerned about homophobia. Nah, you're probably right. Not right, Un- fine. Unfortunately. What sucked about this book, Ben? The racism and homophobia? Yeah. Okay. What's good? Eh, old uh, murder mystery. Yeah, He's keep, trying to go for an old murder mystery. But keeping me guessing. I don't know who did it. I yeah. don't know who did it or why. It's a classic whodunit in the most ridiculous sense. Yep. Uh, I don't care how well he did with his awards. It's not... It's written okay enough. Like, he's not the yeah. greatest writer in the world or anything. It's I'm not fine. expecting him to be. And the story is pretty not thought out and kind of lazy. Uh, yeah. There's so many details where it's like, but in reality, you wouldn't use your limo to hit a man because that's easy to trace back to whoever used it last. Like, things like that. Yeah. Now, there's a whole scene where... He's in his office at not is it in the evening? I don't know, but the, the power goes out and he yeah. hears people coming up the steps or something. I, I forget what. Or climbing yeah. a window, I thought. No, maybe. it was coming up the stairwell. Oh, he probably saw through the window of his door or whatever. Um, and then he could hear them walking around and assume they were going to come and assassinate him. So there's this whole thing where he pretends there's a client in his office with him. So he's talking really loudly like, well, then what else, Mr. Whatever? And then he plays a cassette that he recorded of the paranoid guy who thinks everyone's after him. And that fools the people outside into thinking that he actually is in there with the person. Just leave the room. Or he called well, he was, the, he called he the cops. He called the cops, but he specifically asked for that one detective, but he wasn't working that night. So he got a different detective and tried to tell him there's men in my... Just call 911 or whatever the equivalent was back then. I don't know if 911 existed yet. I'm pretty sure in the 70s it existed. In 1970? I don't think so. Uh, It doesn't matter. You call the police, but just send a squad car down here. Well, he did call the police. But he he specifically asked for one detective. (laughs) He didn't say, just get a car down here. He's like, I need to talk to this one detective because I need to tell him... My secrets. It's just weird. Um, so that was dumb. But otherwise, uh, murder mystery? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I kind of like, I saw the movie Knives Out. That was good. Yeah. I wish they made more of those kind of things, that I, or that I was aware of anyways. I did enjoy that number, that uh, that movie. Yeah, it was really good. They're making another one. It's on Netflix only, though. Oh. So have fun dealing with that. Uh, what the hell? Uh, misunderstanding how homosexuality works. Misunderstanding mental disorders, uh, making them oversimplified and uh, fantastical. Uh, And the whole idea that curing homosexuality was something that you just kept bringing up over and over and over again. Yeah. What do you got for what the hell? Anything? I'm just looking at when 911 was established. Oh, for Christ's sake. I'm sure (laughs) it was around in the 70s. Um, uh, Not not everywhere. Fine. It it first appeared in... uh, Alabama in 1968. Alabama started yeah. the whole 911 craze that swept the nation. And yeah, it was it didn't get out well, as late as 1989. At least 28 Chicago suburbs still lacked 911 service. Really? Yeah. Regarding national US coverage, by 1979, 26% of the US population could dial the number. <laughs> this increased to 50% by 1987. And 93% by 2000. By 2000? It took them like, seriously? Yeah. Shut up. Because 911's like, there's a public enemy song about 911. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, where were we? Sorry, it's just a little 911 vex. You're welcome, listeners. You learned something. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I like to think there's still pockets of America that don't have access to 911. <laughs> yeah. Weird little backwoods areas. Where they're like, I. The phone number to call the cops is so long, I don't remember it. And i got to get this person with a knife away from me. Uh, you got anything for what the hell? Oh, the racism and homophobia. It's okay. Like, what the hell? That's so, a lot. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend it? No. Well, we haven't finished the book, have we? Well, Maybe he I redeems still... himself in the end. I wouldn't recommend it because I have to imagine you can find a more recent sure. crime thriller, you know, similar genre here that's going to sure hold up better. What if he apologizes at the end of the book? Then would you recommend it? <laughs> be kind of <laughs> curious to see how that would play out. So, well, I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll reserve judgment then, I guess. The protagonist breaks the fourth wall yeah. of the story like, Dear reader, I am <laughs> so sorry for my previous attitudes. I have since met someone who is not white, and I've changed my mind. <laughs> and also not straight. I don't know. What would it take to get him to change his mind? I have no idea. I don't know. All right, well, let's move on to Ben's Corner. 
Let's see if we can wait for the people to stop moving around upstairs for a minute. You can hear dog's feet. You know that dog weighs as much as a man? A small man, right? Uh, a small fat man. How much does a dog weigh? I don't know. He's like almost 100 pounds. That's a pretty small man. But, I mean, he's, for a dog, that's that's a pretty weighty dog. This yeah. is one you can hear him walking up the stairs, and it sounds like one of my kids. <laughs> or me when I'm tired. <laughs> ben, do you got anything you want to read? Uh, of course I do. I wouldn't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never do. Every single time, you're always prepared for your favorite segment. And, uh-huh. boy, do you wow me. Go on. His first patient, Terry Washburn, was waiting in the corridor. Twenty years earlier, Terry had been one of the biggest stars in the Hollywood firmament. Her career had fizzled overnight, and she had married a lumberman from Oregon oh, and dropped know, out of sight. I know why you picked this, because you're going to do the woman's voice, and you're going to do the Louis Anderson. I'm getting ready. I'm holding my ears. Terry had been married five or six times since then and was now living in New York with her latest husband, an importer. <laughs> of what? <laughs> Goods, goods presumably. And services. Well, not services. <laughs> Can you import services? I presume sure. he's importing goods. Maybe importing humans. They provide goods. services. Those are goods. <laughs> In this case, yes. <laughs> I import man. <laughs> she looked up angrily as Judd came down the corridor. Yeah, here we go. Well, oh, she said. Whoa. So soft and not Louis Anderson like. That was amazing. The speech of approval she had rehearsed died away as she saw his face. What happened to you? What is going on here? She asked. My nipples are tingling. You look like you got caught between two horny mix masters. Man, when I close my eyes, I see a whole different Ben. Just a little accident. Sorry I'm late. I ruined it. He unlocked the door and ushered Terry into the reception <laughs> office. Carol's empty desk and chair loomed in front of him. Oh, boy. I read about Carol. Mm. Terry said there was an excited so edge to her voice. Mm. Was it a sex murder? Mm. I'm just rubbing my belly right now. No. So, oh, whoa, Judd okay. said shortly. All right. He opened the door to his inner office. Give me ten minutes. <laughs> I don't know if I should... Oh, what? Oh, know. you know, there's a lot of racist stuff in here. And horrible things to say. We can't just blindly read a segment. Yeah, Yeah, you gotta scan that. He went into the office, consulted his calendar pad, and began dialing the numbers of his patients, canceling the rest of his appointments for the day. Mm. He was able to reach all but three patients. Mm. His chest and arm hurt every time he moved, and his head was beginning to pound again. He took two Darvan from a drawer and washed them down with a glass of water. Mm. He walked over to the reception door and opened it for Terry. He steeled himself to put everything out of his mind for the next 50 minutes, except for the problems of his patient. Mm. Terry lay down on the couch, Mm. her skirt hiked up, Mm. and began talking. Okay, all right. 20 years ago, Terry Washburn had been a raving beauty, and traces of it were still there. Mm. She had the largest, softest, (laughs) most innocent eyes that Judd had ever seen. (laughs) The sultry mouth had a few hard lines around it, yeah. It was still voluptuous. Yeah, it comes with age, but they're still and voluptuous. And her breasts oh, were rounded and firm beneath a close-fitting poochy print. How does he know how firm they are? There's a lot of tricks women do with their boobs now. Judd suspected that she had had a silicone injection. Oh, well, there we go. But he was waiting for her to mention it. The rest of her body was still good, and her legs were great. Why would she mention it? How does that come up in your therapy? So, uh, those titties... Uh, got anything you want to say about him? She's like, no. <laughs> Go on. Don't you lie to me now. Ah, I got him injected. <laughs> I knew it. I was just waiting for you to say something about it. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I should keep reading this. All right. We'll I don't know. There's nothing else. Well, with that. Oh, wait. Should I just read the part where she's describing her, <clears throat> the her appetite? Oh, yes. Describe the appetite. It's wild, she had said. <laughs> I need sex all the time. I can't get enough of it. Why are you a Southern Belle? Like a 70-year-old Southern Belle with your voice. <laughs> she had rubbed her hands against her hips, sliding her skirt up, and looked at Judd innocently. Mm. Do you know what I mean, honey? <laughs> <laughs> this is more disturbing than the Louisiana said voice will ever be. Oof. Go on. No, we're done. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, okay. that's, that's, God, that's that good. Was, 
Oh, God. Well, with that, thanks for listening. (laughs) 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 We'll see you Uh, in two weeks. To conclude this. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks where we finish this fantastic story. And um, I don't know. Can you sit around your apartment and just practice that voice some more? I really want to get a convincing, sultry, smoothie tone out of you. Book boys. (laughs) Oh, God. What is with you? If you liked what you heard on this episode of The Book Boys, how about you check out the website? Go over to nuzzlehouse.com. There you can see all of the previous episodes of The Book Boys, as well as Glenn's other project, Leaves of Glenn. Also there, there's a link to our affiliate shop at bookshop.org. It's bookshop.org slash shop slash nuzzlehouse. Bookshop.org is on a mission to financially support independent booksellers. Also... Find us and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Insta. Now, careful, this one's a little backwards. We're there at House Nuzzle, not Nuzzle House. That's House Nuzzle on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and slide into our DMs if you have any praise or suggestions or complaints. We'll take anything. Please just pay attention to us and interact with us. Thank you for listening.